Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushable. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of May 13, 2018. We were very sad to hear on Friday, May 11, that Marlena Lieberg, former ACB secretary from Washington State, had passed away that morning. My friendship with Marlena goes back at least to the 1980 ACB convention here in Louisville, where she and I had a long, protracted discussion in the River Grill restaurant on the second floor about whether derby pie was best eaten hot or cold, with or without whipped cream or ice cream. Adam and I had dinner with Marlena on Thursday evening before the 2015 ACB convention in Dallas opened. We were in the kitchen table the restaurant in the hotel, and Marlena ordered a build-your-own salad. By the time she finished ordering, she had all kinds of vegetables and dressings, some of which I had never heard of, on that salad. The chef came out to our table to see who was ordering such a huge salad, and when the bill came, it was $52. We sure will miss you, Marlena. It's time for pre-registration to open for the 2018 ACB convention. The excitement is building. Many, many people are planning to be in St. Louis for this convention. Janet Dickelman, ACB convention coordinator, joins us on page two with information, tips, and tricks for successfully negotiating the long, long ACB pre-registration process. There are several changes in the process this year, so listen carefully so you can be sure not to miss out on any of the great events tours, programs, and opportunities that you would like to attend. Look back and look forward on page 3. The first article from around the Internet this week lets us take a look at the life of a blind man in Delaware in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Life was sure different then. Francis Duncan lost his vision due to a work-related accident in his 30s, but we see how he refused to go home and just sit for the rest of his life. Francis lived before rehabilitation services, training opportunities, and government benefits existed, but he led a full life. We think you will find this glimpse into a very different world to be very interesting. The other article looks ahead to a future where artificial intelligence will continue to change our world. Learn about Microsoft's commitment to more and more accessibility for people with disabilities. Eric Bridges, ACB Executive Director, is mentioned in this article. The Soundprints calendar on page 4 includes dates, times, and locations for the merger hearings for the Kentucky Office for the Blind and Office for Vocational Rehabilitation, as well as many other events. Page 2 I'm speaking with Janet Dickelman, who's been a guest on Soundprints many, many times over the past few years. And we are going to be talking today about the uh, St. Louis Convention, but we're not going to be just talking about tours and fun and, and the meetings and the workshops. This time we're going to be talking about pre-registration, because pre-registration 
opens on Tuesday, May 15, and this sound print is going to air on May 13. So, Janet, welcome. So just in time for registration, you'll have all the information. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Always enjoy being on sound prints. Well, thanks and, for coming. You know, Carla said we're not going to talk about the fun stuff like the tours. However, mm-hmm. if you want to make sure you get on the fun stuff and the educational Right. events or uh, sessions at the convention, you want to make sure you do pre-register, especially for tours, because they sell out really quickly. Janet, and, we um, have some people that plan to be on that site at 12.01 a.m. Tuesday morning, May 15, because they want to make sure they get a couple of those tour tickets. Yes. So, so, so if there's something really that you really want please register early. Right, because everybody else is probably doing the same thing. Yep. All right, there's some changes in registration this year, and there's some things that are the same, but um, we know that attendance is going to be up this year at this convention. We know it here in Kentucky because we just have so many people that are just convention crazy. I mean, they're just looking forward to it, planning to go, trying to get there. Um, and so if it's the same in other states, this is going to be a grand convention, Janet. I'm I'm very looking forward to it, and it certainly has all hallmarks of being a grand convention, and I'm very excited about it, and I'm really excited about the one thing that we're doing this year that is different as far as registration is concerned, and we'll talk about it more in a minute, mm-hmm. but we're going to have registration for continuing education credits. As we've said in other sound prints, we are going to be offering continuing education credits for professionals in the voc rehab field, blind vision teachers, and any other blindness-related professionals who need the credits for their ongoing careers. Yes. And this is a great place for pe- for people to come and get their credits. We've been asked about for, about doing this for a number of years now, and finally this year we're able to do it. So when you go into the registration, of course the first thing you're going to do, if you registered last year, your username and your password can be used again. So just go in to log in, put in your username and password, and then I would suggest that you go to my profile just to make sure that everything is accurate because you know, a lot of people's emails, email addresses have changed over the years, or you might have moved or your phone number changed. So you want to make sure you go into that screen, first of all, just to make sure that everything's updated, and if it's not, make any appropriate changes. Now, Janet, um, when a person goes onto the convention site, um, if they don't remember their username and password, can they just create another one? No, there. It, well, you can, but I would not recommend that because there is a spot that says "forgot your password," "forgot your username." Oh, you can okay. go there, and they will. You will be emailed your information. Oh, good. Okay. Because you don't want to create two profiles. Okay. All right. So yes, you can retrieve your login information. Okay. All right. So the first thing they're going to do is to when they go on that site, they're going to get to the intro page. And it's going to give an overview. Please read it. Even if you think you know all things convention, all things registration, please read through the information there. It's put there for a purpose. And that purpose is to make sure that you 
are informed at every step along the way. Um, then you're going to click at the bottom to begin your um, profile information. And again, that's really good advice, Janet, to look through there and make sure all that information is correct. I mean, there could even be just a typo on that page, and you'll want to correct it. Right, because you want everything to match mm -hmm. to be right to be correct. But that page is also where you um, select your program preference, and it will require you to enter that. And may I interrupt you for one second? Because mm -hmm. good news for program preference, this year you can select your program on an NLS cartridge if you would like for the first time. We're offering that option. Oh. Of course, bring your NLS player with you to the convention. I was told to remind people of that. I thought, well, if you select NLS cartridge, I would think you would bring it. But, you know, you never know. We, we don't <laughs> people might expect us to supply them. You never know. Yes. Yeah. 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 The program and the pre-registration form will also be available as podcasts if you want to do it through that route. Mm -hmm. You That's can also way. ask and the program preferences to have the program sent to you via email. And shortly before the convention, we will run a list, and we will email the program to anyone who's requested via email. I know that's been an option in the past, or people have asked for that as an option, and this year it is going to be a viable option, and it will get you your program via email. Oh, great. And okay. large print, of course, and Braille. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I know this year we'll have the programs on time. We will. <laughs> we will, yes, we I wasn't oh, going to bring that up, but I well, you know what? I I know, boy, do I know how that happens because a number of years when I was convention coordinator, especially years ago, um, you know, it, it just you just knew it was going to not come um, for the first day, and and I mean sometimes you just can't help it. Yeah, and this was something totally out of our control, totally out of the producer's control. It was just. Mm -hmm. One of those things that happened. Things happen. It's yes. the way it is. So, and of course, you can also say no thank you to the program, and you can download it from the website or have it downloaded at the mm -hmm. convention information desk when you arrive. So there's many ways to uh, to get the program. Get the other thing that's important on that page, um, I think, isn't that the page where you also have your preference? Uh, you let us know if you're going to have a guide dog or yes. if you're going to. If you're going to bring your guide dog, and then wheelchair on, on a make tour. A to the guide. If you yeah. need an assisted listening device, mm -hmm. it'll ask you that. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a block on there to check if, when you're taking a tour, you need the use. You'll be using a wheelchair or a walker. Yes. That, that's very important for us to know. And if just you so you have that, enough space on the bus. Yes. If you check yeah. that box then I will be in contact with you. So don't check it just so that I contact you, please. <laughs> but if you really do need a wheelchair or walker, I will be in contact you, with you to ask if you can transfer from your wheelchair or if it's a walker that you'll be using. Because, yes, if you can't are unable to transfer from a wheelchair, we want to make sure we can accommodate you. So we need to know that information. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, so that is that first profile page. And... That's all the housekeeping stuff that's there, and and you need to do that. Um, there's been people who have asked also what the registration fee is. It's an administrative fee, and it's fifteen dollars yes. on the form. If you wait till you get to the convention to it's pay it, 25. it's twenty five. So, so you save, and you also save money because there are two prices on every event that has a cost. There mm -hmm. is the 
pre-convention registration price, and there is the on-site price. Right. And if you register prior to registration closes, closing, which is June 17th, by the way, then you will get the pre-registration price. And also, when you come to the convention, Thursday evening, registration will be open for pre-registration pickup only on the 28th from mm -hmm. 6 to 9. Mm -hmm. And Friday and Saturday morning from 8 to 11, registration will be open only for pre-registration pickup. Oh, okay. And... If you, so if you have not registered, you will have to wait till after 11 o'clock on Friday to go and register and purchase tickets. Yeah, for anything. Yes. Yes, okay. All right, so the, the registration process then after, after you get the basics in there um, takes you through all kinds of information. Um, one thing that people tend to be confused about is the page that is the um, registration fees for the special interest groups. And sometimes they think that when they pay those fees that they're paying dues. It's not membership fees. Right. It's not dues. It is to help with program costs at the convention for any affiliate that you select. And if you say, well, I'm a member of ACB Lions, so I don't need to check this. Well, you don't. no one has to check these boxes, but it certainly is nice to support your affiliate by giving a affiliate quote registration. Mm -hmm. Well, also in recent years, the last couple of years, the organization has been able to request um, after the convention. I know um, we've done it for Lua Families and Lions, our registration list, and so we Meaning can see people who at who when they registered for the convention mm -hmm. signed up. For, mm -hmm. to help with fees for who, who paid the registration affiliate. for our group. And, and that is very helpful to us um, when we go to, um, you know, when we want to uh, check with them about um, maybe joining if it's a person that hasn't joined. There's always a few people who um, pay the registration fee and are not a member. So that's so a can do perfect some way to Oh, yeah, we recruit. Yep. And so it's a great thing for the... Um, for the uh, organization to be able to do that. Um, and we have people who register who will pick many affiliates that they help with, and that's mm -hmm. just wonderful. We have some people who, you know, for cost reasons can't, and, you know, you're not under any obligation. Right. Please understand that. That's no right. One, no one has to pay these. You don't have to pay a registration cost for an affiliate to attend their event. No, you do not. If the event is a free event, it's open to everyone. If it has a cost, you just pay that particular cost, but you do not have to pay the registration fee. However, it's very helpful to the affiliate. Yes. Now, one thing that we need to um, talk about, which is different this year, is that in early on in that process, uh, early on in these first pages, you will be asked, are you interested in obtaining those continuing education credits for some of your sessions or not. Um, and that is a simple yes, no. You, you either, it defaults to no. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're not interested, you just go on. But if you do want them, then you check yes. At that point, think of it like the branches of a tree or a fork in the road. You'll go down one, one fork, 
on one part one of track. that road. Hey, we're yeah. going to Union Station. Oh, we are, yes. So you'll go down one track if you're going to do continuing education. You go down the other track if you are not. And if you go down the no to continuing education track, you will never see anything about continuing education again. That's right. It's not something that you're going to have to deal with. You say, no, I'm, you know, I'm not in a career that continuing education credits would help me. So, mm -hmm. no, I don't. I mean, they're so, not going to help me, so I'm not going down the continuing education track. Right. So let's talk about the differences a bit so that people don't think they're missing a lot of information or a lot of details. If you take the, the no track, you're going to see, you will, still, you will still see all of the sessions and information that are shown on the CE track. Just like every other year. It'll just it'll right. show you everything right. on the registration form. Right. But you will not see the buttons that um, that give you <clears throat> further detail about that, detail that um, perhaps would only be of interest to people who are in the field of visual impairment. If, if you, uh, you, you would also not see the buttons where if you want that credit, you click that button and then that goes into your cart because there is a small processing fee for continuing education credits. But you won't see that if you're in the no track. And that's fine because you don't right, need to see it. Because you don't need to see it. But if you click yes, then you, you see all of those events that are on the um, other side, you know, that are on, that the, are registration on the registration form. form. Uh, but you also will see some detail. You'll have a, an extra link that you can click that, are, that will open up some further detail on a particular session if you're interested in it. Things that are germane to continuing education. Yes. Things that will be yes. helpful for you if you're selecting this as a continuing education credit. That's correct. So if you are a professional and are interested in continuing, or, or if you are a professional and not sure, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do any continuing education credits this convention, but I might. So then, then you take the continuing education track. And if you get down to the bottom and you haven't chosen anything, no um, then it's no harm done. No problem. You can still go ahead and you, you can um, still put things like tours and all kinds of you know, karaoke ticket or banquet tickets or whatever. Yes, in, you can put anything in your cart when you're in your on your cart. You track. want. You just um, can't get continuing education credits if you don't go down the continuing education track. Right. That's right. the only difference. Okay, so you go through all this process, and um, you know, one thing I discovered when I was going through registration is that if I simply she jump. was going through the test site. Don't don't let her tell you she was going through registration. She didn't get to register no. before any of you. No, no, no. Okay. This I'm is just in. making sure. I just want <laughs> anyone listening to Sound Prince to understand that. <laughs> Absolutely, they'll beat us all up, won't they? That's right. And I haven't either. I didn't get to pre-register either. I'm just right. looking at the form. No, no. In previous years, um, I discovered. Uh, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but. When I uh, went through the pages, I sort of knew what I wanted, so I just kind of jumped from uh, item to item. And it took me um, from, I was tabbing through, and it took me from uh, paid item to paid item. But I was missing a lot of information because 
it was not letting me stop at all of the free sessions that were listed. So right, because you don't have to sign up for any of the free sessions. That's so correct. there's no check box for those free sessions. That's so correct. tabbing may not be your best option. It's not. It is not. And and so therefore just a word of caution if you out there are interested in a lot of the free sessions and you say, Well there's just so much that's not here know that you're probably just skipping right past it if you're just tabbing down that page. So you may have to do some arrowing. Mm -hmm. You just might. And uh, it, it's well worth the time and the effort because there are so many great sessions. And uh, one of the benefits of having the continuing education credits this year is there are a number of free sessions that have those credits attached. And therefore, they are also going to appear even more than in the past as, as just some text on the registration form. We, we didn't initially plan for some of that to show, but um, Lane has told me the other day that he's been able to get all of that put into the form, and that's a wonderful thing. I think that's going to benefit everybody. We have so many wonderful sessions. Our affiliates and committees have a lot of free programming, at, but also our corporate sponsors, we have so many tech. We have Microsoft is doing several sessions. Google mm -hmm. is doing sessions. Um, HIMSS is doing sessions. VFO, Humanware, Envision America um, is doing some sessions. We have a wonderful array of non-quote non-ACB sessions yes. that will yes. be interspersed throughout the convention. This lineup this year is absolutely incredible. And I, I think every year it gets better, but this year is just over the top with such a huge variety of, of sessions, interests. I mean, you, you can be, you would have to be just a zombie not to find something of interest on this schedule this year. The, the only bad part of the schedule is you're going to have to make choices. Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, that happens every year, but this year in particular, there's so many things going on yes. now, at the same time. Let, let's just chat for a minute, too, because people are saying, well, when should I go? How do I know when I want to go to convention? And um, should I make my reservation um, now or how do I know when I want to be there? What's the best day for me to be there? Well, the answer well, is there's no best there's day. There's no best day. All days are good. Yes. The convention basically gets started. Well, Friday we have our first two tours, mm -hmm. and I know we've talked about those before, the trip mm -hmm. to the Arch and the Cardinals baseball game. Mm -hmm. You better Friday, get those tickets early because people yes. really want those tickets. Oh, the Arch is really going to well, so is the game. That's going yes. to be, both are going to be very, very popular. Yes. Also on Friday is the, we start out with the ACB board meeting. Mm -hmm. And Friday evening we have the welcome party by um, the host committee of Missouri Council of the Blind. And they have a band that they have uh, that's playing called Tim Buck Two. And I have to just tell this little story, if I may. The way they got the name for the band is they had a guy named Tim. They had a guy named Buck. And they had two other guys in the band when they started. <laughs> so they're Tim Buck, too. Okay. 
Well, well, and, and that's a great beginning to just an amazing array of things. Now, yeah. what 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 happens in in determining when you're going? Um, it used to be before the schedule changed that a lot of people would come in on Saturday. And I'm sure you still have quite a few coming on Saturday. We do, but if I if even if you're not going on if you're not going on the Friday tours, if you're right. going on the Friday tours, of course you want to come in on Thursday, especially for the early tour. Right. Um, but if you're not going on the tours, and you can, I would strongly suggest that you come in on Friday because we have so many things starting on Saturday. Starting at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, we have some tech sessions. Yes. And then we have several committees that are having sessions on Saturday. And, of course, the exhibit hall opens Saturday afternoon, and it's our opening mm -hmm. general session. But we have, if you can, be there for Saturday morning. What has happened to the schedule is that um, if you were at convention five or six years ago, the Saturday schedule and the Sunday schedule have sort of merged. And so you have all of this stuff that used to be some on the Saturday and some on Sunday, and now it's pretty much It makes it quite Saturday. a bonus day. It, it just absolutely, that day is jam-packed. Yep. So in planning, Friday needs to be be a day that you try to get in there yes. um, if you want to be there for a lot of the things that in the past you might have attended on Sunday because you'll need to, you know, get there and get checked in and um, and be ready to yes. be ready to roll on Saturday. Um, the I mean, just, just as an example, Saturday morning we have sessions from HIMSS. We have a session from American Printing House. We have sessions from, um, we have Second Sight with the Argus 2 is coming to do a session on Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. And then we have affiliates and committees that are starting their programming. Yes. And lots of things Saturday afternoon, Google or Microsoft and, you know, many, many sessions. Yes. So it's Saturday is going to be a busy day. And, of course, we have our opening general session for the convention Saturday evening. And that's, that's right. always something you don't want to miss. That's right. So it it will be a busy week. Um, and just a as quick... far as how long you want to stay, yes. you, well, you definitely want to be there through Thursday because Thursday is not only our final general session, which is very important because that's when we elect, we're electing several board members mm -hmm. on Thursday. You don't want to miss that. We're discussing ACB business. This is crucial to... ACB and that's things that you you know you you should participate in you should partake of, mm -hmm. and even if you say well I don't care about general session which you should, <laughs> Thursday evening is our banquet and Thursday and one of our banquet presenters is someone who should be very near and dear to those from Kentucky, Mr. Michael Cleveland who that's was right. a KCB alum. Yeah, so uh, so we are really. Really excited about Michael coming. Blind bluegrass. Yes. So, oh my goodness. Someone yesterday called it a him a violin player and. Oh dear. You know, yeah. No. <laughs> no, I made that correction very quickly. That's right. No, he's no, not a violin so. player. And <laughs> he's he a and fiddle I, player. You know, being Ms. City Girl, I know the difference between a fiddle and a violin. 
Well, Janet, I know that you're going to have a, a, a very, very busy next month. Um, I'm glad it's you instead of me. And <laughs> I appreciate all the help you've given me, given us with the continuing education. Carla's done a lot of work on the continuing education, so well, I do need to thank her for that. Y you have a huge road ahead. You know, yes, the program goes into print and all of these things happen and all the details have to be done, but in addition to that, um, you know, a lot of people register online, but registration is also available by phone. And, um, you know, you may be the convention coordinator, and, but anyone that thinks that you just kind of sit there and, and, and order everybody else around, <laughs> it's just not the way it is. Because um, there have been times, I mean, that you've done those registrations yourself. Oh, I'm in there right along with the registration cadre helping with registrations. Because right. I want to help, if, especially if they get at all backed up, I want to make sure that people get in to register. And if you would like to register by phone, call our Minneapolis office, and that number is 800-866-3242. You will be put into a voicemail box where you will leave your name, your telephone number, your time zone, and please leave your time zone so that we know when is an appropriate time to call you. I don't want to call somebody on the West Coast at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. And also leave the best times for someone to contact you. And do keep in mind, we're doing registrations. I mean, I know I personally do some West Coast registrations at 11 o'clock my time if, it's a, if the people on the West Coast don't mind. I mean, I'm happy to do them late at night. We're doing them on the weekends. So keep that in mind when you talk about your availability and do understand that especially the first few days, it might take a little bit of time for someone to get back to you. We have several people doing the registrations, but they can only do one at a time. And uh, we do try to get back as quickly as we can. But be a little patient, especially at the beginning. If you're able to review the registration form, that would be really helpful. The registration form will be available on NFB Newsline, and we're going to have that up there actually tomorrow morning. It will be available. It's also going to be available on ACB Audio Now through ACB Radio. And I'm going to try to send something out via email that people can reference as far as the registration form. What I'm going to send out is not a form that you're going to use. It will not have everything on there, but it will give you an idea of what's up there so you can maybe be a little prepared. The people who help with telephone registrations are happy to go through the form with you. They don't mind at all. But if you have an idea of what you want, it just take, makes your registration time, your time on the phone, a little shorter. Janet, the other thing that has changed over the years is Let's say that I get through the form and I've purchased, I go in and I want to purchase a few tickets, but then I I want to add things on. It yes. used to be they could not do that until they got but to the convention. That is no longer true. You've finished your registration. Three days later, you're talking to a friend and they say, oh, aren't you going on the uh, tour to Bush Stadium for the beer tasting in the Clydesdales? And you think, oh, I should have done that. So all you have to do is log back in with your username and password. You won't be charged the administrative fee because you've already paid that. And you just go on in, add in your tour, go to checkout, and it'll just charge you for what you've added in. Now let me ask another question about that then. 
let's say that I decide I want to do that tour, but I've bought another ticket during that time. Unfortunately, you can't delete items out of your cart. However, if you have an issue, contact the Minneapolis office and they can help you with that. Okay. That's the only thing that you can't do on the registration mm -hmm. form. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing is, keep in mind, if you're registering for yourself and your husband and maybe a couple of children, unfortunately the way the registration form is set up, each login, and you do have to create a separate login for every person who's registering, and if you're registering for multiple people, make sure you, when you're done with your registration, you have to log out of yours. Okay. And then go in and create a new login. Okay. Now, unfortunately, I know how it is in my house anyway. My husband never checks his email. So anything that he orders online or whatever, he puts my email in there. Okay. If you are registering for yourself and your husband, unfortunately, you're going to have to use your email for your registration and your husband's email for his registration. Even though he may not check it, you'll just have to make him check it to get the registration confirmation. Okay. And you will get a confirmation. What about if you're registering for some kids? If you're registering for some children, unfortunately, if they have an email address, you should use that. If you don't have email addresses for everyone in the household, that's something that we're going to have to assist you with over the phone. Mm -hmm. Or you might could create a Gmail address right, for them create a Gmail and have form. it forwarded to your address. Yes. You could, do, you could that. do that, too. That's an easy fix. Mm -hmm. But yes. unfortunately, the way the registration profile is set up, there has to be a uni unique email mm -hmm. address for each registrant. Okay. All right. Well, this is going to be fun. We're just about ready to get started on pre-registration, which means convention is just around the corner. You want to give the hotel reservation number? I do. I'm give a couple phone numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, phone number for the hotel to make your reservations is 314 Two three one, one two three four. The other phone number I'm going to give you is for Go Best Express, which is the shuttle from the airport to the hotel, which we were able to get a rate of $25 round trip, which is a wonderful, wonderful rate, thanks to one of our corporate sponsors. And the phone number for that is 314-222-5300. And in case you weren't prepared, I'll give the hotel number one more time, which is 314-231-1234. And if you're not on the convention announce list, which is a one-way email where I send out my convention previews and convention information, you may send a blank email to acbconvention dash subscribe s u b s c r i b e at a c b lists l i s t s dot org o r g you can send a blank email and if you send an email if you want to send an email directly to me i have been known to send out all the back convention previews to anyone who asks for them cool. if you don't mind getting a ton of emails. My goodness, that's a lot of emails. Yes, Because you is. started sending them out in January. I did. If anyone has any questions, as always, feel free to call me. My phone number is 651-428-5059, or you can reach me at email at janet.dickelman, D-I-C-K-E-L-M-A-N, 
at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, Carla. Hope to see many, many of you who are listening to the show in St. Louis. Page three. Genealogy is a hobby that many blind people can enjoy since more and more information is now available on the Internet and connects through various iPhone and Android apps. The following article was posted by Nancy Lynn on the ACBL list on May 10, 2018. It's entitled, Meet Francis Duncan. So many of our blind ancestors left us so little to remember them by. For many, the hopelessness of blindness and the times they lived in led them to succumb to the popular view that blindness was a shameful condition or that they no longer had worth to themselves, family, or society. Too often, the blinded family member was rarely discussed or participated in any events outside of family, and so they are lost to us forever. Men, far more than women, made the news as they, being a man, were expected to support themselves some way. Women were to be cared for, and if that woman was blind, then the expectations of society was that family would care for her. In reality, families could not care for dependent adults if the family were poor, large, or many other reasons. This left the blind adults in the poorhouse or asylum if the asylums would take a blind man. Many would not take a blind woman because it was just not safe. Blind men took to begging, peddling, and anything else they could find for survival. They lived in the backs of buildings, on the streets, and below bridges. Some were arrested for vagrancy and left a trace of their lives in the local newspapers. A blind woman would not have been able to live so with any sort of self-protection. Today we have the story of a man who left a few breadcrumbs to help us learn just a little about his life and how he kept himself together after losing his sight at the age of about 30. Francis E. Duncan was born in Ireland about 1843, but no one really knows for sure. He was the second son of Hubert and Christine Duncan. The family immigrated to the United States about 1848. The couple had four sons and one daughter, the two youngest being born in Delaware. According to the 1860 U.S. Census, neither parent could read or write. But their children, according to the census, all were educated and could read and write. Yet, his older-sighted brother, James, in his petition for naturalization in 1882, signed his name with an X, just as Francis did in later years when Francis had lost his vision. Francis went to work at a young age and became a boilermaker for Harlan and Hollingsworth Corporation, H&H Corporation. Much of his excess earned funds went to purchase property in the Wilmington area that he would later build upon. In 1866, his taxes on a piece of his property located at 121 Washington Street in Wilmington was assessed at $25. Many others on that same tax roll paid less in taxes, indicating that Francis had developed and held successful land holdings, at least for that listing. In 1863, 
He was a co-founder of the Shields Library Association of Wilmington, Delaware. The libraries during that time were membership organizations. Members of the Shields Library paid a fee of five cents a week to be able to read and to take out books from the library. If he was not educated, he still showed a love of learning. While working for H&H Corp., he was involved in an accident at work in 1872. The injuries were such that he was considered totally disabled by the company and the community. Members of the Boilermakers and Iron Shipbuilders Union held a picnic in August of that year to do what they could for their brother. What other injuries he may have had were never mentioned. It might have been that eventually Francis was healed of the additional wounds. As a result of that accident, he lost the sight in one eye. Three years later, he lost the remaining sight in the second eye. His father had died in 1867, leaving him and younger brothers to support his mother. Older brother James already had a family to support. There was no family to care for him. Sitting at home, feeling sorry for himself, was not an option for Francis. With the property that Francis already owned and the funds he had saved, he continued to invest in the land and build on them. In 1878, he obtained a permit from the city of Wilmington to build another home on his land at Wright and Cedar Streets. Although many documents do not indicate that Francis worked at a job after becoming blind, in 1880 he was listed as having some sort of work in the steel industry. The notation included his blindness. Did the census taker not understand that a blind person could have a job and therefore questioned the employment? We will never know. At the time when Francis went blind, the state of Delaware had no rehabilitation services for blinded adults. Yet decades later, Francis, who loved to read, learned blind reading and secured books through the Library for the Blind in Delaware after it was founded in 1909 when the Commission for the Blind Bill was passed by the state legislature. He was one of their most voracious readers. By the turn of the 20th century, Duncan applied for a peddler's license from the city of Delaware to ply wares on the streets of Wilmington. The license was $12.50 a year. The local newspapers announced his confirmation of a license, along with others, assuring the citizens that they, as peddlers, had a right to work on the streets. There was no indication what wares Francis sold to the public. When the workshop for the blind in Wilmington opened, Francis applied to work in the shop, making brooms, rugs, and the like. This he did for more than ten years, almost until the day of his death. Each day he would walk alone to and from the shop, putting in a full day's work. By this time, Francis was more than 70 years old. The only alternatives for a blind person at that time to receive financial support other than working was charity. Obviously, Francis was not willing to be a charity case of the county, church, or the state. Welfare systems for the blind were not yet established in the state of Delaware until after 1909. Francis is an excellent example for us that it is never too late to learn a new skill 
or build on old ones. This article was posted by Kelly Gask on May 10 on the ACB Announce and Leadership Lists. It mentions Eric Bridges in the article, and it's entitled, Can AI Make the World a More Inclusive Place? This article appeared on thenextweb.com. With a billion people worldwide living with some form of disability, there is tremendous scope for the development of assistive technologies, a market expected to be worth over $26 billion by 2024. In the next 10 years, billions of I.O. devices will be connected. AI will enable these devices to listen, see, reason, and predict without a 24-7 dependence on the cloud. This physical interface between humans and machines is what Microsoft terms the intelligent edge, and the average smart home will generate over 50 gigabytes of data every single day. Artificial intelligence, AI, is a crucial part of that puzzle. As AI advances, such as predictive text, visual recognition, and speech-to-text transcription, are already showing enormous potential for helping people with vision, hearing, cognitive, learning, mobility disabilities, as well as a range of mental health conditions. AI can be a game-changer for people with disabilities. Already, we're witnessing this as people with disabilities expand their use of computers to hear, see, and reason with impressive accuracy, explains Brad Smith, president and CLO of Microsoft. This year at the company's annual Build Developer Conference in Seattle, Microsoft announced the launch of AI for Accessibility, a new $25 million five-year program aimed at accelerating the development of accessible and intelligent AI solutions. The aim is to enable disabled users to achieve more in three specific scenarios, employment, modern life, and human connection. The program comprises grants, technology investments, and expertise, with innovations integrated into Microsoft Cloud services. Around the world, only 1 in 10 people with disabilities has access to assistive technologies and products. By making AI solutions more widely available, we believe technology can have a broad impact on this important community, says Smith. The AI for Accessibility program will provide seed grants of technology to developers, universities, non-governmental organizations, and inventors taking an AI-first approach focused on creating solutions in those areas. It will also identify projects that show the most promise and make larger investments of technology and access to Microsoft AI experts to help bring them to scale, as well as working with external partners to incorporate AI innovations into platform-level services. The program will be run by Jenny Lay-Fleury, Microsoft's Chief Accessibility Officer, who has been credited with achieving a cultural change within the company. Lay-Fleury, who is deaf, was named a Champion of Change 
by the White House for her work and created a hiring program through which the company identifies and trains people with autism. We have started to see the impact AI can have in accelerating accessible technology. Microsoft Translator is today empowering people who are deaf or hard of hearing with real-time captioning of conversations. Helpicto, H-E-L-P-I-C-T-O, an application that turns voice commands into images, is enabling children in France with autism to better understand situations and communicate with others, says Smith. How that works in practice was poignantly showcased during Monday's keynote, where Eric Bridges, CEO of the American Council of the Blind, talked about using the Seeing AI talking camera app on a daily basis to help his three-year-old son, Tyler, to complete his schoolwork. Eric now uses the app to scan Tyler's work so he can review it, but just two years ago, that same interaction would have required the assistance of a sighted person. Technology has, quite literally, removed that barrier so that a father can interact directly with his child, and that's the fundamental call to action that the program is putting out for developers, NGOs, academics, researchers, and inventors to accelerate their work for people with disabilities as they develop new technology products. But while all this brings enormous possibilities for supporting vulnerable people and assisting disabled users in their everyday lives, Smith stresses that by innovating for people with disabilities, they are better innovating for us all, something that Leigh Fleury herself helped to demonstrate on stage at Build. The live demo involved showcasing how AI would help facilitate better collaboration and efficiencies in the workplace, using features such as facial recognition and live caption and translation technology. Leigh Fleury joined the meeting with her sign language interpreter at a later stage and remarked that the fact that the meeting was being captioned allowed her to participate more fully as she didn't have to worry about constantly taking notes. Although that might prove more difficult for someone with a disability such as hers, it is certainly something that most people would find rather useful in such a scenario. By ensuring that technology fulfills its promise to address the broadest societal needs, we can empower everyone, not just individuals with disabilities, to achieve more, Smith concludes. APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille to create a quick Braille file instantly. 
download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org slash LT. Page 4, the Sound Prince Calendar. On May 15, pre-registration for the 57th Annual ACB Conference and Convention opens at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Time and will remain open through 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time on June 17. For more information and to pre-register, visit acbconvention.org. May 18, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have their doggy eye exams, 2.30 to 5.30 p.m. at 107 Finley Avenue in Louisville. For information, call Deb Lewis at 502-721-9129. May 19 is the forest in your front yard. From 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., the guest naturalist, Rosemary Bowman, will help you explore the trees and shrubs on APH's front lawn with all your senses to help you understand their changes through all four seasons and to recognize the animals and insects that live in their bark and branches. Sponsored by the APH Museum. For more information, call 502-899-2213. On May 20, the KSB Alumni Board will hold its next meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On May 21, the OFB merger hearing in Elizabethtown will take place from 4 to 6 p.m. The public hearing will be on the merger of the Kentucky Office for the Blind and the Kentucky Office for Vocational Rehabilitation. It will be at the Kentucky Career Center, 233 Ring Road, Suite 100, in Elizabethtown. Call Rhonda Bush, 1-800-760-6891 for more information. On May 21, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its next board meeting at 7.30 p.m. This will be on our new Zoom conference line, 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. May 22 will be another OFB hearing at Thelma, Kentucky from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. This is at the Carl D. Perkins Training Center, 5659 Main Street in Thelma, Kentucky. Call Barbara Pugh, P-U-G-H, at 800-443-443. 2187. May 23, the Bluegrass Council will hold a peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. For more information, call 859-259-1834. On May 24, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries on State Street. For more information, call 502-895-4598. May 25 is the next GLCB Roundabout. There will be education and technology, including Orbit Reader and iPhone tips, genealogy, and more from 3.30 to 5 p.m. The tip sheet from 5 to 5.30, 5 
page turners and a tri-state library users meeting from 5.30 to 6, dinner from 6 to 7, a KCB Next Generation activity, games and crafts after 7 o'clock. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On May 26, KCB Next Generation will be going to the Louisville Bats baseball game. We'll meet at 5.45 p.m. at Slugger Field as the Bats take on the Toledo Mud Hens. Tickets are $12 each and must be purchased in advance. For more information, call 502-895-4598 or call 502-750-1774. May 28, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have its next membership call at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. May 29 will be another hearing about the merger of the Kentucky Office for the Blind and the Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation from 4 to 6 p.m. in Owensboro. This meeting will be held at the Kentucky Career Center at 3108 Fairview Drive. For more information, call Vicki Madlam Bandy at 800-334-6929. On May 30 will be another OFB OVR hearing, this time in Paducah, 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time. It will be at the Kentucky Career Center at 416 South 6th Street in Paducah. Contact Gene Sutton, 800-334-6945. On May 30 is the graduation at the Kentucky School for the Blind at 6.30 p.m. in the Ritchie Auditorium on the campus of the school at 1867 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. For more information, call 502-897-1583. May 31 is the Office for the Blind and Office of Oak Rehab merger hearing in Bowling Green from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time at the Kentucky Career Center, 955 Fairview Avenue, Suite 100 in Bowling Green. Call Teresa Murphy, 800-222-1215 for details. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I'm